This is Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Lucia Benavides, and today we're talking about haute cuisine. Catalonia has the most amount of Michelin stars in all of Spain, with a whopping 70. And the latest stars were added just this week at a gala held in Barcelona to announce the restaurants that would be included in the 2024 Michelin Guide to Spain. One of them is a Barcelona joint that was given its third star, the highest achievement in the guide's ranking. On today's episode, we'll talk about Catalonia's world-renowned cuisine and visit a restaurant that has a green Michelin star for its focus on sustainability. Here with me is reporter Lorcan Daugherty. Hi, Lorcan. Hi, Lucia. Um, so let's start with this week's Michelin Gala. What were the night's biggest takeaways? Well, the big news uh, from, from a Catalan point of view is definitely that Disfrutar uh, gained its third star. So this is a restaurant in Barcelona that opened in December 2014, uh, mm -hmm. run by three chefs, which is kind of unusual. Like, wow, yeah. um, Mateo Casañas, Uriol Castro and Eduard Chatruc. So, okay. I mean, it's quite a big deal to get to the three stars. There are yeah. now... 15 restaurants in Spain with three stars, uh -huh. five of them in Catalonia. Wow. The other newcomer to the group uh, just this week was Nur in Córdoba. And uh, in general, it was a good night for Catalan cuisine because there was also two new Michelin-starred restaurants announced in Barcelona, Kirat mm -hmm. and Sudo. Okay. Plus individual awards. There are four announced on the night and yeah. three of them went to Catalans as well. Wow. So three out of the four awards. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a good night. There was one thing that irked me slightly, <laughs> which was uh, Suto's uh, star, fair play to them. Like the chef ex was very excited uh, going up to, to collect his uh, award, Yoshikazu Suto. Uh -huh. I'm just raging that I never visited this restaurant before because yeah. it was literally around the corner from where, where no. I used to live. And I think it only opened during the pandemic. And I remember seeing it from outside, this tiny little cozy intimate yeah. uh, Japanese restaurant with you could see the food being prepared it always looked amazing the lighting was lovely the, all the tableware yeah, just looked inviting. like a place you wanted to go yeah. into I think we phoned a couple of times and tried to get a reservation but couldn't but you know didn't try that yeah. hard and now it's got a Michelin star oh it's like God. never gonna get in like. yeah 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 and I'm so I don't know if this is what happens but like maybe the prices will go up or even I, if they don't like what you were saying it is gonna be even harder to get a reservation exactly, exactly. Um, no. this is a reminder to go to that restaurant you've always been putting off because you never it. know what's gonna happen <laughs> if it's gonna become famous or if it's gonna close there's so many restaurants that closed during the pandemic that i regretted never trying or going back to you know so yeah a reminder to stop putting off things in general That's it. <laughs> yeah 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 um and so you you started mentioning it there but catalonia is very well known around the world for its fine dining its high-end restaurants um particularly known for its innovative take on traditional Catalan dishes. Um, I actually didn't know until a couple of years ago that um, so many restaurants, so many chefs in Catalonia have these like very prestigious awards and have so many Michelin stars. I, I don't know much about like cuisine in general because I always figured I can't afford that. I, it's not even on my radar. I just get cheap pizza or like empanadas or something. Um, so it's interesting. And I know you did a podcast about this topic in 2021. So you have more of a you know background on this than I do. Can you remind listeners, you know, What is it that makes Catalan 
uh, fine dining restaurants so special? Um, and also kind of what are Catalonia's most notable restaurants and chefs? Yeah, I think anyone you talk to always talks first about the geography of Catalonia. So it, it's obviously, it's, uh, it, we've got the influence, the Spanish influence, but we've also got the influence from France as well, just over the Pyrenees. Right. And don't forget, we're just on the Mediterranean. So you have this Mediterranean influence uh, from Italy. I think you can see it clearly. Like if you talk to Catalans about their traditional Christmas dinner, it's not yeah. turkey and ham, for example, what I would soup. eat. Yeah. It's galette soup, which is yeah. like this soup with pasta in it. And then often as well, cannellonis. I think they make maybe cannellonis on the 26th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, on San Esteban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's like the leftover meat, I oh, think, from Christmas. But again, yeah. it's another pasta dish. And very much like, oh yeah, this is, this is mm-hmm. our Catalan tradition. But... Two pasta dishes, which everyone knows is from yeah, Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other influence as well is, is I kind of mentioned there, the Mediterranean. They have this concept of the mar, the sea, and montaña, the mountain. Uh-huh. Um, so you've got, they actually have like dishes where they mix kind of surf and turf style. So you have a uh-huh. mix. There's a very famous dish from uh, one of the restaurants that has three stars, El Salier de Can Roca, which back in the 90s did this chicken mixed with prawn. And it was like, you know, wow. you see on their website, it's like, this is one of our signature dishes. Or you yeah. might see uh, meatballs with squid or with uh, cuttlefish. That's so, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. A way to kind of merge these two, these two sides of the territory. And the thing is, maybe in the last... 20 maybe even 30 years now uh people kind of took these traditional elements and elevated it to high, high cuisine or no, cuisine this uh cuina catalana they, they call it as well catalan cuisine mm-hmm. el bulli is undoubtedly the most famous name uh when it comes to this approach like they talk about a scientific approach to cooking and molecular cuisine uh, it made international waves yeah about 20 years ago and it was a restaurant in it was up in the Costa Brava okay. uh, in one of those little calas up there. Yeah. Beautiful location as well, which doesn't uh, yeah, be any Yeah, I can harm. imagine. Yeah. It's closed as a restaurant now, but I mean, there's sh- the chef Ferran Adria uh, is still very active in, in kind of all their projects. Yeah. They have a foundation. And um, he was actually one of the only names I knew whenever someone asked me about Catalan yeah. cuisine. I was like, I know him and his brother, Albert Adria. Albert Adria. Um, who, so, yeah. He has a restaurant here in Barcelona yeah. with one Michelin star. And they've had a big influence as well. When you talk to younger chefs now, they've maybe done apprenticeships or worked in these restaurants. Mm-hmm. And now that's kind of influenced maybe all the Catalan cuisine that we see happening. And maybe yeah. that's why we're seeing so many new Michelin stars and yeah. the Michelin Guide to Spain. There's there's such a big influence from Catalonia. Yeah. You mentioned we did a podcast a few years ago. Yeah. And one person that we spoke to was Carmen Ruscallera. Uh, a woman, which I have to say is very rare in I'm, this world of I'm like sure, top chefs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, very well-known figure in Catalonia, a bit of a TV personality as well. Yeah. Uh, again, her restaurant closed in 2019. She has a restaurant in Japan, um, but she's definitely still one of the really influential figures. Yeah. So Lorcan, you mentioned not being able to go to Suta earlier, the, the Japanese restaurant that just got its first Michelin star. Um, have you ever been to any other restaurants like pre-Michelin stars or post-Michelin stars? Because, for example, I haven't gone to any. I haven't, I haven't been in Catalonia still. Uh, I really must. But um, when I lived in Belfast, I went to a restaurant which got a star just a few months after I went. So I guess... So you ate Mitchell. the food that yeah. was judged <laughs> to give the star. I mean, yeah. not my favorite restaurant in Belfast. But, yeah. but anyway, it was, it, was, it was obviously great. But, yeah. you know... Maybe not my favorite place to go to, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's subjective at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And we also had the caterers for our wedding. They have a restaurant 
that has a Michelin star as well. Oh, wow. so, I mean, that, that was amazing. That that's was in great. Galicia. So that's um, great. I mean, if you're going to splurge, it should be on well, your wedding exactly, or, exactly. or your birthday or something special. Yeah. And for this podcast, I did visit a restaurant. I didn't get to sample any of the food there. No. It's Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, I saw it being prepared and it looked amazing. Uh, this is Somia Truitas in Igualada. It has a green Michelin star and it's also in the Michelin Guide with a bib gourmand. So I should probably explain what those things are. First of all, a green Michelin star is for any restaurant in the Michelin Guide that has a particular focus on sustainability. Michelin said that there isn't a specific formula for awarding a Michelin green star because every restaurant and every region is different in different conditions. But they're basically looking for things like the provenance of ingredients, using seasonal produce, Mm -hmm. the environmental footprint of the restaurant, Mm -hmm. uh, waste disposal and things like that as well. And also communicating to the guests when you go to eat. Yeah about the kind of right. sustainability practice or where the food yeah. comes from, that kind of thing also yeah. influences it That's as well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. The customer should should know what they're eating and yeah, yeah. And the Bib Gourmand thing I mentioned, they say it's not quite a star, but most definitely not a consolation prize. So it's given to restaurants that they say is really good, friendly restaurants that serve good food at moderate prices. So okay, maybe if you're thinking, good. oh, I can't afford to go to a Michelin yeah. restaurant, check out the Bib Gourmand Yeah, ones. I'm definitely going to look at that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bib, named after Bibendum, the, the, the Michelin man, has a name. He I never, has a name. I, I didn't know wow. That. I just thought he was the Michelin man. That's exactly. it. <laughs> no name Michelin man. So in order to qualify for the green Michelin star, you have to have one of these two. Yeah, the either Bib a star. Gourmand yeah, exactly. Or a star already. And in this case, this restaurant... Has the Bib Gourmand because its philosophy is also kind of affordable food, you know. We'll, we'll hear now David Andres, uh, who I went to speak to. He also works at Via Benetto, which is like a classic Barcelona restaurant that has one mm-hmm. Michelin star, oh, a wow. favorite of Salvador Dali's, apparently. Oh, wow. But him and his yeah. brother, who's an architect, Javier, they set up in their hometown in Igualada, Somia Tritas, uh, which is this restaurant, also a hotel now, and... Uh, Xavier is an architect, David mm-hmm. is a chef, they're co-owners, oh, cool. and he says that the concept, the architectural concept is really important as well because they set up this restaurant in an old fa- factory in this kind of run-down area of, yeah. of Igualada called Rec, uh-huh. the neighborhood, and uh, it's in an old tanning factory, so they have oh, kind wow. of... That hints sounds... of that, you know, as, yeah. as you, as you so go So they around. maintained the initial essence of the place. Yeah, it's like that kind of industrial aesthetic, yeah, a lot cool. of brickwork yeah, yeah. and metal and, and even these, you can see like leather as well and stuff mm-hmm. hanging from the ceiling and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. That Very sounds cool super place. interesting. Well, let's hear a bit about your visit there. It's a weekday morning when I visit Somia Tritas, but when I walk in, there's already a sense of energy, of anticipation, of preparation. Lunch is just a few hours away. Luckily, David Andres, in his chef's whites, can spare some time for us. He's in his mid-30s, chatty, and wears his achievements lightly. Michelin star, three times winner of Best Young Chef in Spain and Portugal. Is that what he imagined growing up in Igualada? He assures me that no, he was in fact the world's most useless person in the kitchen until he was 20. He'd never cooked in his life. So what happened? 
Pues mira, supongo que con tienes 20 años eres un amigo inconsciente y no sabes más. At first, he followed in the footsteps of his older brother Xavier, studying architecture. He liked it, but it wasn't the perfect fit. David said he searched for something a little more restless, more artistic. He found the kitchen and fell in love. The Michelin Guide 2024 has once again awarded the restaurant the Bib Gourmand and a green star for sustainability. Bueno, sustainability is, is applying logic to cooking, no? Sustainability is applying logic to cooking, David tells me. Now they give out medals for it, it's like we're reinventing the wheel. But what we're doing is the most normal thing in the world, he says. What my grandmother did all her life. Eat what the vegetable garden produces each season. Eat healthy things, locally produced. It's very logical, really. What we were doing for the last 30 years was probably not normal, he says. But now we're returning to what was normal for 2,000 years. Somiatritis is a family affair. David's wife is also a chef, bringing ideas and approaches from her native Chinese cuisine to this Catalan kitchen. And Xavier, co-owner with David, is the architect who converted this 19th century tannery into first a restaurant in 2013 and then a hotel. The hotel opened five years after the restaurant, David says. Applying these values of sustainability, instead of making a roof with artificial insulation, we made a natural covering with soil and a vegetable garden. When it's the season for tomatoes or other interesting things, it's very cool, David says, and it enriches the cooking at Somiatritas. Beyond the kitchen, David says creating economic sustainability, part of the restaurant's role within the town. We work with local businesses and suppliers, local butchers, local greengrocers, in order to give life to the town, which was our aim, he says. And when I ask about all the awards, the recognitions, the Michelin Guide, he says, of course it's important. But on the personal level, but without a doubt, the best recognition you can get as a chef is a full room, more than 100 people, filling up for lunch every day and the people leaving happy. By a long way, that's the best prize a restaurateur can have. Thank you to David Andres for speaking with us. Um, so I found it really interesting what he said about this idea of going back to how grandma did things because, you know, I think I'm sure you see it. I, I've noticed this, you know, in the last 10 years or so of um, cooking trends that, you know, once upon a time were just what you did like it was like now it's like oh you know this new thing of like i grew i grew tomatoes in my backyard and you know back in the day i was like yeah that's <laughs> that's what you do it's not a, a new thing and it's interesting how some maybe some restaurants are selling it as innovative but actually it's just going back to how it was yeah. we've come around full circle yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I know sustainability is such a buzzword isn't it not For just sure. in food but yeah. in, in or, everything or organic like yeah. things that are organic it's like yeah. well it is literally a fruit or a vegetable like it cannot be yeah. like it is organic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and talking to David, that's exactly what he was saying. You know, just he's he was just like, it's just logical. It's logical. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, it's what yeah, my granny used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the result is good food at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really like about the restaurant, which I didn't mention there, was the the name Somiatritis. Uh -huh. Do you know what it means? 
I mean, I know tritas means tortilla. Yeah. Tortilla, wait, tortilla no. in Spanish. Yeah, tortilla. I'm or like, omelette in Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Somia is like, so, like dream. So it's like okay. omelette dreamer or something. Ah, but it's okay. a word that exists in Catalan for basically a dreamer. If you're a dreamer, a okay. bit of a daydreamer, or if you've got, you know, big grand plans that like yeah. seem impossible, yeah. someone might call you a somia tritas. So if you may say that I'm a dreamer, maybe i'm a dreamer john lennon maybe <laughs> i'm not the only one right yeah, i can yeah. but you have to be specifically dreaming of uh no, it doesn't have to be related to, to omelets or anything no but he said it, he, they chose the name because it was a bit of a dream project for uh -huh. him and they were doing something a bit crazy because this was like quite a big space in a like semi-abandoned part of igualada which isn't barcelona mm -hmm. either you know so yeah they took they took a big risk yeah and so uh, he said, yeah, we were we were dreamers. And obviously the fact that it has Trita in the name as well. Which yeah, is which is a food reference. Right. And very kind of like grandma food. Exactly. Right. Like it's like what your grandma, what your Catalan grandma makes for you. But he, he said eggs for him because they have an egg in their logo as well with uh -huh. wings, which is kind of something had Tritas as well. Uh, that's funny. And he said eggs for him are magic. And I thought that was really funny because I would never think eggs right. are magic. Like, yeah, but, yeah. But like, it just shows you the mindset of a chef. Like yeah, like, so you can do so many a, things with this. Yeah, so. it's true. It's a basic food product, and maybe you just kind of take it for granted, but it's very useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can eat it in many different ways. <laughs> I mostly bake. I don't really cook. My, my boyfriend is the one that does all the cooking, and I do all the baking, and I use eggs all the time. Yeah. And yeah, they're magic. They're magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, something we haven't mentioned yet, which is somewhat related to Catalan cuisine, is the high praise that bars, specifically cocktail bars in Barcelona, have gotten. And actually, um, we have a special guest to talk about this, which who I didn't mention at the beginning of this podcast. Um, his name is Killian Shields. You may Hello. have heard his voice before. He's a reporter Once here. Once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Reporter and uh, seemingly the, the bar correspondent. Exactly. <laughs> Lorcan and I were like, we need somebody else who uh, <laughs> can talk about this. Um, so I understand that some bars in Barcelona have been awarded best bar by a group called 50 best bars exactly yeah barcelona's home to the winner of that list this year and also last year two separate oh, wow. establishments okay uh, so seeps has the title this year this lovely trendy cocktail bar up in eixample uh -huh. and paradiso got it last year um, but that's fallen all the way down to fourth in the list this year so okay. only the fourth best bar in the world unfortunately that's what i was gonna ask it's the 50 best bars in the world yes exactly okay. yeah yeah okay wow that's um cool. yeah no they're both uh, very good i've been to both as a patron before and uh, <laughs> Um, oh, it's, it's fantastic. What's really striking to me is, I suppose, um, like you're getting such a high quality product, absolutely. But in both of them, the prices, I think, are pretty fair, pretty like standard cocktail price that you can get mm -hmm. in, in a very regular, very meh yeah. kind of place as well. Yeah. So it, it, it's pretty cool. But the flip side of that is obviously they don't take reservations. You could well end up waiting quite a long time outside right. because it's they're packed, obviously popular places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in that list of 50 best bars, are there any other bars that are in Barcelona or other parts of Catalonia? Or is it just these two? Just these two okay. for this year. Last okay. year, there was another one, Two Schmucks. Uh, was ranked number seven. Oh, yeah. But I've been there, actually. Oh, I didn't good, realize it was a fancy cocktail bar. <laughs> well, they, they call it a five-star dive bar. So while the product is good, they, uh -huh. they like to be very a bit more grungy, a bit more 
gritty, uh-huh. a bit it's more down to earth. So maybe that's exactly. grunge yeah, enough yeah. for them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually not on the list this year whatsoever. Okay. So okay. I don't know what happened there, but I think it was pretty new. It opened like right around or two or three years ago. The pandemic. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Killian, you mentioned you've been to both of these bars that were listed number one um as a patron i've been to two schmucks which i just found out was on the list last year um and so i kind of i'm imagining i've never been to these bars you've been to so i'm imagining kind of a similar ambience as two schmucks which is very kind of instagrammy like bright colors and like you know the layout is very kind of minimalist but also very trendy i don't know if to be honest yeah. with you, I think Two Schmucks is a bit of an outlier in this list. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, it's it's five-star dive bar, they say. Right. These other ones are, uh, they, they're a bit more comfortable. They're a bit more upmarket, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, quite, quite a much more dimmer lighting scheme they have going on. But mm-hmm. the cocktails themselves are very Instagrammable. That is yeah. for sure. In what sense? So the presentation is clearly very important okay. for, for these rankings, for these lists. Um, and and I actually spoke to one of the founders of Seeps last year. We we interviewed them for a podcast when when the previous yeah. uh, list came out last year. And that was before they had gotten number one. It's, they were number three last year. Oh, they were so, number three. Yeah, okay, exactly. that makes sense. Uh, so he was explaining to me that the glassware they have is absolutely extraordinary. They're they're made specifically for the cocktail that they come in. Wow. They're not random pieces. They've they've paid an artisan glass blower, Ferran Collado, to make them. Wow. And just to give That's you a bit a of a flavor of what they're like, they've got one cocktail, um, a signature cocktail they have there. It's called Crypta. Crypta. Mm-hmm. So this is served in something that resembles like a giant Easter egg uh, mm-hmm. presented on a stand. And they've got three holes at the top of the egg for herbs to be inserted in, which enhances uh-huh. the aroma of the drink. So wow. it's this whole big kind of presentation that, yeah. you're, that you're gifted. The idea is basically you put your entire face into the, the much larger hole really? in the egg. and You inhale it, I guess, first. Essentially, yeah. yeah like y- the idea is your nose is giving information about the aromas at oh. the same time as your, your taste palates on your tongue. Yeah. So you're sort of getting this double stimulation of the drink that uh-huh. you smell as well. You're basically inside the glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. You bathe in the drink. Yeah. Like maybe that's the next like, <laughs> famous drink that's it's exactly, kind of yeah. it's kind of the conceptual approach that you see in Michelin star restaurants as well. Very I was thinking so. that too, like Very the presentation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, give me a one euro fifty can you any day of the week. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. A can off the, the can. lads on the street. <laughs> or vermouth. I'm more of a vermouth gal. It's time now for our Catalan phrase of the week. What is it today, Lorcan? It is. Descubrí la sopa d'ail. And it, what does it mean? Like to discover the soup, everybody's soup? It means to discover garlic soup. Oh, garlic. I was thinking al as in English, all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To discover uh, garlic soup. Yeah. Uh, and what it means, I, I couldn't think of a, like a really good English translation. I suppose the closest was, it's like we're trying to reinvent the wheel. It's... I've never heard that phrase either. I uh, know. No. no. But I understand, though, what you're getting at. Like, it's like, it sounds like they're doing something innovative, but they're not. Yeah. Like, we're doing, yeah. like, you're making something new, but it's already existed for years, yeah. decades, yeah. centuries, or whatever. Yeah. 
Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Lorcan and Killian, for joining us at the end. Um, thank you to David Andres for speaking with us. We'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Filling the Sink. In the meantime, you can catch us on social media or email us at fillingthesink at acn.cat. On behalf of the entire team here at Catalan News, I'm Lucia Benavides, wishing you a wonderful weekend. Goodbye, ciao, adeo, and bon profit. Mm-hmm.